guys, it's John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This is a show for complete athletic development. Our mission here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. If you're new to our show, want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Let's uh, go through our housekeeping and uh, tell you a little bit how we operate. We're a little different than your standard podcast. We have multiple shows within our show. So the first episode you'll hear on a bi-weekly basis is going to be our Q&A. That's where myself, my co-host, Chris Scarborough. What's up, Chris? Hey, good. Uh, well, I don't know if it's morning or afternoon right now, but uh, uh, good morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. It's kind of one of those days. Um, yeah. So anyways, that's where Chris, we're clearly, um, you know, we're on top of our game all the time. Um, that's where Chris and I uh, will take the questions that you guys submit to us. Chris, where can they submit those questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yep. So that's where you'll submit your questions. That can be anything related to uh, training, performance, the rehab, nutrition, any theory, guests that we bring on, you know, bring it to us. We'll take care of it there. Yes. So that's a biweekly episode. Um, the other episode you'll hear biweekly is going to be our guest interview. So that's exactly what it sounds like. Our guest interview is just like every other podcast, uh, you know, ever. It's where we bring on our colleagues and we have a conversation. Um, there'll be anything from doctors to therapists to coaches to kind of the neuro realm. You know, I know it's kind of our our forte a little bit. Um, you know, the neuro training stuff. Um, we will have some repeat guests as well. We have some folks that have done episodes that have agreed to come on with us regularly. So you might may hear some repeat guest interviews, and so we're uh, we're pumped about that. And uh, we got some really good ones coming up. I actually put up a post on my social uh, last week, just on our web, uh, you know, from a screenshot from our website about our guest list. And I'm going to tell you, I'll put our guest list up with any podcast in the entire world. Like our guest list is top notch. Absolutely. So yes, experts. Yeah, all experts, experts, guys. And these guests are here to like they're. They want to share their stories, and, you know, we want to connect you with them. I think that's a big part of our mission is to help connect you with people that share the same mission and core values as us. We may not do everything the same, but we all have the same, you know, core values and mission overall. And so, you know, it's about connecting our communities across the country. So um, that is our guest uh, interview. And then the final episode you'll hear is that Friday Fire Fact, maybe Saturday Sermon. And that's usually 10 to 20 minutes of me talking about a little something outside of the training realm maybe a little more business motivation oriented but every once in a while we'll even throw in kind of a fourth episode uh ish in it may just be an additional guest interview or it may be you know um i brought one of my college athletes on to talk about the mentality of overcoming injuries so you know we may just kind of throw a surprise in there and actually last week we released uh, the adarian bar episode so i hope you guys enjoyed that you know he uh, he brought the fire like adarian always does and so i felt like hey it was appropriate to you know make that a friday fire episode so um that's how our show works. Guys, we do ask that you pay your dues and share the show. If you got value out of this, if you learned anything out of this, if we connected you with somebody that can help you, your family, your team, share the show, guys. That's all we ask. It's not that much to ask. It is a simple favor you can do for us to just subscribe, leave a review, just share the show, post on social media. And if you post it, tag us so we know what's going on, right? Because this is a mission. This is not just a, hey, we're doing this just for brand recognition. I don't give a shit about that. I care about helping people. So, like, tag us and let us know that you're sharing it so we can connect and help people. So that's the whole objective. Um, that's how our show breaks down, and I think that's all the housekeeping. So let's get to it. Today is Q&A. So what do we got today, Chris? All right, question number one. 
this and this is a, a little bit more specific to a tens unit, and that's where we're going to have. I'm going to have to modify the our, our answers to this question. But in using a tens unit in cooperation with an ISO extreme, say a lunge or a push up or whatever, there the question is about pad placement. So mm-hmm. the so John, take that one away because tens unit okay. and what systems you and I are familiar with are not one in the same. Sure. So I can't speak on the TENS unit side of it. Um, here's what I can tell you. I'll give you the quick breakdown. The TENS unit versus something like the ARP or the newbie, it's the difference between AC and DC-based current. So AC current, like a TENS unit, is going to cause the muscle to contract. It's going to work on kind of a superficial nerve level. It will increase some blood flow, so that's a good thing. But we don't really want a muscle to contract because a contracted muscle can't really absorb force as much. So we want to lengthen muscle. That's where the, um, the ARP and the newbie are quite a bit different. The DC current helps the muscle lengthen. Okay, has a no- number of other properties, but that's kind of the big difference for right now. So that actually allows us to go through movement, which is something you can't do with like a Russian stem or TENS unit. So that's kind of the difference between the two. As far as pad placement goes on a TENS unit, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> as far as the ARP or the newbie... Um, in a training standpoint, I think it would, it's generally, I'd say in general, the muscle that you want to lengthen, that's where you should put the pads in general, but it can go a whole lot deeper than that. Right, Chris? Absolutely. So this is definitely, definitely going to be one of those things I'm going to put a video with, um, to kind of show you again, once again, using the ARP or the newbie, using DC, right. not DC current. So you've got so whoever asked this question, my apologies for uh, not recognizing your name, but but understand what you're asking and what John and I are familiar with are not necessarily equivalent. So as John said, we're going to put on the muscle we're trying to lengthen, and you will notice the pad placement will be on the lengthening muscles. So keep that. Mm, yeah. Totally agree. And that, and that would be a very, that's a, that's a general placement. So, you know, um, you know, we're not going to speak for ARP or newbie, but we both have a lot of experience with both. So I don't want to speak for them, but that's kind of what we would do. But now there are different scenarios here. So let's just, uh, I don't know, let's use, let's use a bicep curl, for example, just, all right. Say you're training with the newbie and you're going to do a bicep curl, whether it's ISO or regular, you know, meathead curls, whatever. If you're utilizing it from like a strength standpoint, if you're using different frequencies, then pad placement can be a little bit different. And it, you know, you could also do something like put it on the triceps because if the newbie is telling the tricep to lengthen, then bicep is going to have to contract harder. It has yeah. to, right? Yes. And, you know, if, if you have a, a newbie or an ARP or you have access to one, you it, it, then try what John is saying. You don't even need any weight. Put it on your bicep mm-hmm. and feel how hard your biceps have to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you could do something like that. You could do the, so. You could do the opposite. If you want to do a bicep curl, you put it on the triceps, and it'll make the biceps track harder. You know, you could also tweak the frequencies to get a little bit different stimulus. I'm not going to give that information out. That's something you need to go through newbie or ARP to get. So, don't ask me because I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, because you can get different results on different. You know, with different frequencies. So, 
Um, you know, we may do like a hypertrophy or more of a strength in the bicep. And so that might be a little bit different plaid pad placement, but typically it's proximal distal. You know, I think in general is usually a good way to say it, but like, let's just use the lunge. The lunge is a good, a good example. So let's, let's talk about that one real quick. Let's say we're in an ISO lunge. Our left leg is the rear leg. So when you do that, Chris, where would you say you put the pads most often? Um, a good place since in a, in a lunge left leg in the back. Um, it could be on the psoas, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. for, for the guys out there, you got to be a little careful where the, if you're using sticky electrodes, um, potentially <laughs> you got to be a little bit cautious on, on where on the psoas you put it. If it's way too high on the inside, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can shock yourself a little bit. But that said, um, I would say use uh, the psoas, which is hot, way up on the inside of the, of the thigh, um, you could put it on the quadricep, high on the quadricep near uh, near the other you know hip flexor muscles. The you could get into the iliacus muscle, the the long quadricep muscle. Um, you could also put it on the TFL, which is the most outside muscle. Um, you could also put uh, put it in the middle of the quad. You know, so uh, anything that if you can picture the back leg of a lunge, what is lengthening? What is getting longer? And that would not be a bad, bad placement. Um, yeah, front, that's good. You know, probably the quad, um, probably the quad. Uh, most cases yeah. could also be the glute. Yeah. Could be the glute, you know, think about that. I was going to go there. So any, yeah. again, think what's getting longer. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So like you could look at it two different ways. I, I would, you know, if we're not going to, I don't want to get too technical, but you could look at it from a perspective of what, what is it you're trying to accomplish as well. So I use this story. I had a, had a client. Um, I've worked with her you know, a long time, on and off, different things. But like her left hip, actually. Act, well, actually, it was her left glute. Okay, first off, your glutes always fire. If they don't fire, you couldn't stand up. So if somebody says your glutes don't fire, turn around and go find somebody else. Okay, your glutes fire. That doesn't necessarily mean that they fire in the proper order. So for this particular client that glute and that hip extension pattern was not engaging like it should. Okay. So if I slip and say her glute wasn't firing, sorry, you understand yes. where I'm coming from. Okay. The, 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 the mechanism and the patterning was off now. So what we did was I actually loosened her hip up first. So I just put like black in the front, red in the back, you know, just like literally front of psoas and then just kind of like in the lumbar spine, you know, just, just to get the whole hip area, did some hip circles, loosen the hip up just to get some mobility and range of motion. Then I did like black kind of at the psoas. And although I probably wouldn't recommend this just because I know this client really well, like I put it kind of in the middle of the quad, the red one, just to get kind of a full lengthening effect within the psoas and the hip flexor, because that my objective was to try to get the glute to engage more. And so what I ended up doing next was while the pads were on the front there on the backside, I put black and red with a whole different channel on the glute and told the glute to strengthen as hard as we could. So the front side was getting some lengthening impact. That was not my main objective. My main objective was to get the glute to engage harder. And so that was it. So you see, based on what your objective is, that plays a role in where you put them. Would you agree with that? Yes, Chris? absolutely. Absolutely. And that almost goes back to what you were saying earlier. Do you want to get, you know, more of a, a strengthening or hypertrophy effect? You could, you could have, that, that'd be the advantage of a newbie. Shout out to Garrett. You could actually yeah. put two different, uh, uh, frequencies at the exact same time. And use yes. the glute on one frequency and the, and a lengthening, more of a lengthening slash recovery frequency on the front. Sure. You can do yes. things like that. 
It's a beautiful yes. feature. Yes. Yep. So those are things that, yes, you can do. But once again, I mean, whoever asked, and again, my apologies for not calling out by name, but it, you, you, we just don't know about how you would use a, an AC device in training. Okay. So even, yeah. even yeah. Talking with Mark pro and, and those guys there, they, they will even say it's purely for recovery. It is not for training. So, yeah. And we actually had Gary Rhino, who's associated with Mark Pro, on, but we didn't get into that very much. But when we release that episode, you're going to yeah. love that episode. He's he's yeah. awesome. But I do think we're going to reconnect and we will, you know, talk a little bit about the Mark Pro because it is, I mean, it's a, it is a good unit from what you hear. It's very popular. Yes. So, um, don't try to, you know, so there's some good things. He's, he will leave and tell you. Don't, yeah. it's not a, device. yeah. Yeah. Not a training yes. device. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing I'll, I'll leave you with is, uh, you know, your motor points, but uh, we'll save that yes. for another day. Um, but no, that's, that's a good question. Thanks for yes. asking. Um, all right. Question two. What, what is it, Next. Chris? It has to do with feeling in an ISO extreme lunge or an ISO extreme. So the example he gave was, was in a lunge. So you're not supposed to feel the muscles, John. You, you know, talk to me about that. Uh <laughs> So I, I imagine this is, he's referring to Jay's podcast. Yes. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, so uh, clarify the question here. Like, is he asking, are you supposed to feel it or not supposed well, to feel it? Well, it's clearly along the lines of, you know, is it, is it true? I'm not supposed to feel this. I'm not supposed to feel this, this, uh, wait a minute. How can I not feel it in the muscle? How, you know, get, you know, so it's, so, I mean, Jay, if you want to get the whole story, listen to the Jay Schroeder episode, episode seven. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's an awesome episode, but okay. He has to create. So Jay has to create these feelings in his mind when he was paralyzed because he couldn't actually feel it in his, through his, through his body. Okay. So. How in the world do you go about not feeling, say, an iso extreme lunge in your hip flexor? How do you not go about feeling an iso extreme lunge in your quad or your? How do you even? How does that even happen? Yeah, I'm just gonna flat out say I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, and I'm not gonna pretend to have one. I mean, you know, I, I can speak onto my experiences and my theory. But that does not represent Jay at all. I, I mean, th this is this is just my personal experience. I, you know, we talk about engaging the front hamstring, right? You got to be able to engage it and feel that. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that just can't even feel that. They don't even know how to engage the muscle the right way. But um, you know, maybe it's having having the end vision of what it is you're trying to accomplish and, and that being the primary modality, the primary sensation. So let's just say it's uh let's say it's, you know, your goal is, you know, your vision is to, to be the you know first pick in the draft. Right. And like you have visualized this moment, you know, where you are, when it happens, you know, what you're wearing, you know, the people there, you can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it, you know, every detail about that moment. And so 
training will help prepare you for that moment. But in the training, that is the primary emphasis. You're not focused on feeling the muscle. It's feeling the envision if you're not supposed to feel anything at all, I guess. No. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Like It does. It does. And- you know, because you hear you hear about imagery all the time and visualization. Um, I can't remember the book. Um, God, Mandy just finished reading it. Um, I don't remember. But, I mean, it's been out there forever. But the, the practice of visualization has been around for a long time. And so when you really get into, like, the quantum physics and the metaphysical realm and all this stuff, that stuff is real. What you create in your head becomes reality. And so I, I feel, in my opinion, that that is what you should be focusing on, that you have the primary understanding of how to do the movement, how to do an exercise. You know the theory behind it, but you're so focused. Don't, don't be so focused on that. You should be focused on that visualization slash feeling of what you're trying to accomplish and why you're accomplishing that. That's just my opinion. Right. And so this is something that, that I have not discussed a whole lot of, but in my early years with, 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 uh, with Evo sport. Now keep in mind, I'm a long way from Phoenix, Arizona. So my first experience with it was before I got involved in any way, shape or form with ARP wave. I, I had gone to the Evo sport in Tallahassee, Florida. The, the ISO extreme wall squats and the lunges were done with a box sitting on a polished concrete floor. Okay, so I want everyone to kind of picture this. If you were not pulling into position, guess what the box did? It was probably it sliding. Slid. Yes. So the 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 image I was given was you should be able to do an ISO extreme on a sheet of ice. Okay, and and st- I mean, you know what? That's a great visualization. If you're not pulling into position. If you're pulling into position, you could do it on a sheet of ice. Okay, got it. All right, and the, <laughs> and the box. Or you could go watch Dan Victor's video of him yeah. running on ice. <laughs> but so it's you know if you can picture that, I mean, I had the box slide out you know many times. So anyway, mm-hmm. it, it's so yes, clearly there are muscles involved. There are clearly muscles involved, but once you get the right muscles engaged yes now the focus has to become on the image okay what is it what is your end as jay would say well the end is going to be mm-hmm. different for everybody everybody's got to create their own and that's uh maybe that's hard maybe that's difficult maybe some people don't their end. i absolutely i think it is especially in the society today there's no question but you know i i think I'm not going to say that when people come into my facility or I have an athlete, a young athlete come into my facility, that that is, you know, I, I, I judge based on what I feel like I'm seeing with them. Okay. Where are they? Biological age, chronological age is not feeling the exercise and feeling that envision. Is that like where you should be? I, I think so. But is that where everybody is right now? Like is a 14 year old girl coming in? Is she there yet? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Should she be? Probably. But is she there? Probably not. So, like, I can think of somebody in my facility who, like, I've had her doing these drills, and and she cannot feel it. She's extremely hypermobile, which which physically makes 
feeling a muscle hard because there's so much laxity mm-hmm. in the ligament. So I was like, I have to do other things to get her to feel her hamstring. And so I may be wrong in this, but this is just my approach to it, is <clears throat> I will do some type of proprioceptive thing with her to get her to learn how to engage that hamstring. But then we continue that practice, and she gets how to engage it. Then we take that next step. Okay, now you know what you're supposed to do. Forget, forget about it now. Now don't even think about it. Now go to the next level. That's just my right. approach. That's not to say that's right, and that's not to speak on Jay at all by any means. So do not take that <laughs> as me referring to Jay. Now, Jay, if you're listening to this, I would, I would love to hear your feedback, man. I mean, just like we said in our interview, I, I, I'm happy to take the smoke, man. I, 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 I want to learn. I want to, I want to know and I'll dig and I'll research and I'll work. I will work, you know? So, Hey, if there's any feedback, I would love to hear it. I don't know what, I mean, you got anything else you had? Yeah, well, that, I mean, we all know Jay's is, is not shy to, to critique something that is. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I know. I, I, I probably just set myself up I there, but it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm like, fine with it. I'm being the whipping boy for, uh, you know, means we're going to no. learn something. So certainly, Hey, you know, please yep. uh, hop in on, on that question. So, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. It's it's in some cases it's it's hard to find. What is the end? Well, you know, it's every it's mm-hmm. individual. So, yeah, you know, and so we go from you know from that realm to maybe the next realm of like okay, when we talk about length of the exercise, all right, some people can do five minutes, some people can't, and you know we were talking about this a minute ago right before we jumped on, and. Theoretically, there's a point in time where if you will, if you continue to hold, you basically won't feel anything. <laughs> Doctor J has spoken yep. about this before. Well, <clears throat> I have I have done an ISO extreme lunge for five minutes. Okay, I've done it on both sides five minutes. Um, I've done uh, push up five minutes. You know it, <clears throat> but one thing I will say. I can either really maximally pull into position. I mean, maximally pull into position where I'm giving it everything I've got, in which case I cannot do five minutes. All right. I'm just saying that right now. I cannot do five minutes. <clears throat> no, I can, I can take one breath and get right back in and I've, I can go five minutes, but I've, there's no telling how many times I'm going to fail during that five minute time span. I can also go a full five minutes and pull submaximally and kind of temper my, my pulling and really try to balance it out. And I can go five minutes. So I think there's actually some benefit to doing both. Honestly, um, there's, mm-hmm. there's something about that balancing act, learning that balancing act, that on off switch as we've talked about in the past, in an iso-extreme position, there's something about that doing a full five minutes versus, uh, say, that absolutely maximally pulling into position. Um, nobody, once again, kind of going back to what you said earlier, John, I'm not saying this is what anybody told us. I'm telling you what I've experienced. <clears throat> this is, mm-hmm. um, I think they're both beneficial. I think they're... Uh, I will tell you that they both take discipline like nothing else. And I think that's one of the big benefits of ISO extremes. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I think with the maximally engaging the whole time, I mean, you're the, that's kind of a, a secret. Like your energy systems are going to deplete unless you continue to, you know, you, but if you train, then theoretically you can reach a point where the energy systems can recover themselves, but that's a whole other conversation. So it's like the stronger you get, the harder you pull, which means the faster you fatigue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like this cycle like, yeah. never ends, but I, I think I've shared this story before, so if I'm repeating myself, sorry, but I don't know. We've got a lot of new listeners, so you may not have heard it, but I use my wife, Mandy, as a, as a prime example. I mean, you know, I trained her for a Navy nautical 12, um, and 12 mile, you know, little half marathon thing, whatever. And we did no running for that race whatsoever. All she did were ISO lunges. Was she squeezing as hard as she could? No, but she was holding them for seven plus minutes at a time. I mean, to the point where we were doing them for like 15 minutes. Now, did she make 15 minutes straight? No, but it was the point of, she actually mentally worked past the, the stage where things are burning so bad. And if you can mentally work through that, where again, you're focused on the end vision, that becomes the primary feeling and she'll attest to that. Mm. She did it. And that was the best race of her life. You know, she set the best time in her entire, she used to run all the time. She's not, she didn't run quite as much anymore, but that was the best race she'd ever run. Um, you know, and so, you know, there's, I guess there's two sides of the coin a little bit. Yes. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm always open to, to, uh, to learn and to, you know, get it right. So, you know, any, any feedback out there, I'm I'm open to it. You know, if you have a different experience or, yeah, Jay, if you're listening to this, I, I'm, I, yep. I would love to hear because um, I want to communicate and, and pass things on the right way. So that's a good question, man. Whoever asked that, uh, good stuff. You're getting into some deep stuff there, man. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right, cool. I uh, believe we have one, one more, more, right? That is uh, this person has uh, done Evo, uh, Jay, Schroeder, Jay Schroeder's system, mm-hmm. but has also done level one of Goda our online version of Goda. Okay. And he mm-hmm. was asking about Godifying <laughs> an ISO extreme. Lunge. Well, first of all, John, <laughs> I am a good not, word. I, I'm not super familiar with Goda. First of all, explain what he even means by what does that even mean? Godifying a lunge. <laughs> that's a, that's a great term. I like that. Um, well, I actually think this could be a really interesting question because you and I have a little bit different beliefs and theories. Like, you know, your your theory of foot and 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 tripod and all that stuff. I think the corpus, the Adarian bar, and like I don't know if the two of them see similarly or not. So we can mm-hmm. clarify that. But you know, there versus my type of theory on on, on go to movement. And so go to find something. All right. Well, again, I'm going to say like. Yes, I'm a go to certified coach. I've gone through all their coursework. We've had Gary and Ricky on the show twice, or you know, both of them have been on the show before. Um, but I'm not. I'm not going to speak for them. Okay, so you know, you need if you have questions about that, talk to them. Okay, don't you know? Don't take my word as religion here. This is just my opinion and my personal experience. So, you know, I think when you look at when you look at the go when you look at Gota, it's a, it's a movement based system. Okay, it's a locomotion based system. And it is when you gotify something, if that's what you want to call it, it's understanding the different engines of the body and applying that, you know, when the time is appropriate. And so I've gotten a lot of questions about Brent Rooker right now. 
I mean, if you follow baseball, you know that Brent is just going off at the moment. Um, and shout out to Brent, man. We love you. You've been on the show. We appreciate it. Brent worked with us this off season. He worked, uh, he came to us actually from Go. That's how Brent and I met. Um, you know, and I, I truly attest to it was, you know, a lot of the go to work that helped us get there. And I think some of the combination of what we did. And so like, Let's use an ISO lunge, for example. So once we reached a certain level in recode, so where things were moving the way we wanted them to move, we addressed the things that, you know, Gary and Ricky wanted us to, to address. We were doing, we were making progress. Okay, well, then we got to get to the performance side of stuff a little bit. Where well, there's got to be some speed work. There's got to be some power. There's got to be some of that, you know. That's where things became gotified a little bit. So if we were doing an ISO lunge or something or maybe a rush lunge or whatever, like, you know, I, I will have my athletes apply those principles to what they do. Now, is that what Goda teaches? No. Talk to Goda about that. This is how I implement it personally. So, like, let's use lunge. Um, so, back leg. Okay, what's the back leg doing in the lunge? All right. Well, the back leg in the lunge, it's, if you're thinking about running, it's getting ready to recover. Right. So, we know that the cornering phase is happening or has happened. So I'm going to work on that cornering action in the lunge. Front leg. What are we doing front leg of the lunge? Well, we know the front leg is going to be establishing our bow. It's going to set the precedent to be able to absorb the energy to where we can eventually transfer it up through the hip, spinal, out through the shoulder engines, and reset. So I apply those same principles. Does that make any sense, Chris? Paint the picture of the front. What's it doing? Okay, so um, if we're going to do a regular ISO lunge, I think it's pretty safe to say most people are going to, you know, you should at least have the feet straight. Agreed? Okay. Yes. yes. Would you agree with that? Okay. So I, I do it the, so the same way, but I may have it tweaked just a hair to where maybe we're overemphasizing just a little bit so like maybe second toe is straight. Okay. Big toe is still pretty straight, but second toe is a little straight. And I, I just personally believe that by over emphasizing that when it's time for competition the body finds that happy medium that's just my opinion so when we have the foot set in the front leg we got big toe second toe straight we got inside ankle bone high so we're not in this like hyper pronated foot you know if you got a flat foot that's not i'm sorry i just don't believe that's a good thing like i don't think we should have flat foot because it causes the inside ankle bone to drop which creates this internal rotation you know throughout the shin throughout the femur into the hip and so it's like just focusing on a couple of these little minute little details to establish the structure the right way. Now, do I have their knee like driving way, way out to the like to the like if it's a left foot in front? Like, do I have their left knee driving way out to create this massive bow? No, I, I don't. But do I have it straight ahead? I don't know. It kind of depends on the person. Because we know that when you look at human movement, when you look at locomotion, the greatest athletes typically have about a 22-and-a-half-degree deviation-ish of the knee from the middle line of the body. But it's not just the knee. It's kind of the whole hip down to the foot. All right? I've got all these. If you're watching this on video, you can see all the pictures on my wall behind me. You can see Barry Sanders right there. That's a beautiful shot of him. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it. You can see the bow. So, like, I just have my athletes focus on you know, having that bow set. Does that answer the question a little bit more? The, um, yeah. uh, And I see your point. The, the only thing that I will tell you, and again, I'm not a go to person. So as far as when that's used and, you know, when you, when that you work on the, 
the the hip external rotation abduction there's my my li- very 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 limited experience with seeing it and that's a, exactly what it, what it is it's very limited and that is if you if you work a lot on that abduction external rotation inside ankle bone high if you will the muscles that tend to engage in the hip is that TFL which is a very weak hip flexor. It's not a very good one. It's a very weak one. And when it is the primary hip flexor, it will tend to lead to hip impingement. So, but this kind of goes back to what you said, John. Once someone is ready, once they've gone through the appropriate amount, you don't keep working on that necessarily. You don't want to keep taking that leg into external rotation, you know, or abduction, whatever working excessively on inside ankle bone high because eventually it can lead to the opposite problem. If not- I, I could see that, but I think, I think where maybe the confusion resides is like, I don't look at it as, as like external rotation and abduction per se. Like when I see it, when, when I break it down that way, that to me looks like a cadaver type of model and a cadaver type of model bases something off or the 3d plane or the three planes of motion are based off cadaver models, which is not an accurate theory because there is, there are coupled motions with everything that we do. The spine moves in a coupled manner. So does the body. Cause we have all these different fascial segments. So like, I don't see it as we are creating additional external rotation, you know, in the, you know, in the femur, in the hip, as much as it's okay, we're actually loading the body in the manner in which it actually should load when you sprint or run to a degree. I do think there's some give and take, I think, you know, I think, I think, I don't know, Ricky or Gary said that at some point, I don't remember, (laughs) or maybe somebody else, but like there, there's a little give and take, I think. You know, and I I think that's where some people get too hung up with stuff, Um, you know, because will you inevitably like be in that position at a point in sport? Yeah, probably. But like, I'm not trying to actively get them to drive that front leg, that front knee out. It that doesn't I'm not I'm not doing that. So like, am I truly causing the TFL to become overactive and become the primary hip flexor there? No, because I'm still focused on the hamstring. Or go back to our previous question. We're, we're not even focusing on that right. either. We're, we're focusing on an envision, sure. right? Yeah. And again, I mean, you know? you know, when I say, again, when I say that, I'm referring purely to my exceptionally limited experience with that. So, um, the uh, yeah, it, it's but it's also like I said, an overengaged TFL. I'm not again. I'm not suggesting that's what go to trains people to do by any means. I'm saying that. If you have an overengaged no. TFL, that is a big time cause of hip impingement. And so, just if all you do is see the picture, you're like, "Ouch!" You see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so let's go back to the let's go back to the foot mm-hmm. for a second, like because you you're you're I don't want to say your beliefs are different, but like you know, tell me uh, tell me what you feel the foot should be doing because. Inevitably, it starts with the foot and the ankle. So, like, when you're doing that, what, what you're a Darien Bar, Theory, Corpus Fury, you know, whomever, Gate guys, they were yeah. awesome, by the way. Yeah. They're still around. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were awesome. Um, like, w- what is your theory there and belief? Well, 
first of all, uh, it, it's, you know, as far as the way we train it or in, what, what do you mean? Position? I mean, yeah, sure. Position or training or, or yeah, I mean, I you're going to have, you're going to have an anchor point that's going to be. So if you're running, let's just use running as an example, for example, your anchor point's going to be base of the big toe, base of the little toe. So basically the two parts of the tripod that you would say, you know, when we used to talk tripod, base of the big toe, base of the little toe, that's going to be the anchor point that is ultimately, if you want to say pushed off of, it's, it's not really, it's, it's not a massive push. It's really more of a spring, right? When someone's running, that's actually more of a spring because everything's preloaded. So you hit those anchor points, those two anchor points, okay? Base of the big toe, base of the little toe. You should, everything's pre-tensed, foot's on the ground, bam. Okay, you got, you got the spring position. Now, is it a little more complicated than that? Of course it is. But it's, that's the part of the foot that's kind of driven off of, if you will. Should there be mobility in that ankle? Of course. I mean, you know, the, I mean, you, you see sprinters with feet straight when they land. You see sprinters that run super fast and their feet are as everted as anything I've ever seen when they take off. It's, sure. you, I mean, you see all kinds of angles. Um, so that said, you know, the, my theory, strong feet, strong ankles, you should be bouncy. Uh, you should have good, strong soleus muscles, um, you know, which we do with bent knee, a lot of bent knee type training. Um, so in, in that sense, I mean, I wouldn't say that I follow in a Darian Barr or Chris Corfus, uh, model per se, although I tend to like their stuff. Um, but as far, it just, it needs to be strong. It needs to be springy. It needs to be able to absorb and then return the energy very quickly. So, you know. I will also say this, I have internal tibial torsion. So everything that Goda would teach, I have done from the time I was an infant, <laughs> just learning how to walk. So it's never been anything I've ever actually spent time coaching. And that's a very good point right there because you already had everything, but a lot of people these days don't. Yeah. Things have oh, yeah. changed. We, we, we see a lot of people with mm -hmm. you know whose ankles collapse flat-footed, if you will, um, because they're, they're, you know, they do have weak ankles. They have weak feet. They have weak everything. And as a result, that person definitely needs to be trained to, you know, strengthen and stiffen their ankles. And those people are usually very obvious because they do the opposite of what you're saying. They fall, their ankle bone falls inward. Absolutely. So once again, mm -hmm. this is not a knock by any means on GOTA or their system or whatever. It's identifying who needs that help, who really needs that help, and then working with them appropriately to develop that. Um, you know, I, I guess in that sense, I've never developed a model or followed a model of that. It's really more all individualized mm -hmm. training in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I, I mean, I think, I think the model can be applied with individual components. So it's like if I have, you know, if I have somebody come to see me for a wellness appointment, like, you know, one of the doctors we work with sent them out here to me and, you know, we have to, I don't know, we're working on back or hip or something, I don't know, mm -hmm. something like that. Like, I'm not worried about, I'm not, I'm not going to be focusing on that type of stuff right there. Like, 
it's a, of, you know, okay, heels away, heel away and inside ankle bone high. I mean, well, maybe inside ankle bone high. I do feel like mm-hmm. that's an important aspect. But, like, we're not going to be going into an extreme position right now. You know, we're going to be working about just developing some awareness mm-hmm. of what's going on, right? You know, okay, hey, look, when you're standing out, your feet are completely turned out. It's creating the ankle bone collapsing, and then it just goes up the chain. So, you know what? Maybe we're just going to start with, like, an iso lunge, for example, just to develop some strength. And here's your pattern. We're just going to have foot straight, shin 90 degrees. You know what? Our thigh is going to be straight right now, you know, because we just got to develop some type of awareness rather than taking it to a dynamic movement Mm -hmm. level. And I think that's, that's the point. Like there's a difference between walking and sprinting. Like when you're sprinting, there's going to be more, it's more dynamic. There's going to be more movement there. So I think it applies to it depends on who it applies to a little bit, but the theories are still the same. Now, if this lady was a sprinter, maybe we still start where we need to, depending on what she needs to do. But then eventually we get to the point where, okay, now we're, we're doing more, you know, whether it's, you know, more ISO or, or some other type of movement. And we're actually working on maybe loading that bow just a little mm-hmm. bit more. So I think it just applies. It's not, it's not just, it applies to the individual mm-hmm. specifically. And I think everybody just wants to take the information and make it some global universal law. And I, and I don't, I don't believe that. I think it, there's, there's a time and place right. for things, well, you know, you know, and looking at how people move influences oh, sure. that. And by the way, we're going to have uh, Jen Perez uh, from uh, gate happens on the show in the not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's we're, right. She's we're excited on. to have her on and we're really, um, you know, this will be some great questions to ask her. You know, what, what are your thoughts on this? How do you develop yeah. it? You know, because, you know, let's face it, you know, as coaches, especially as someone, a speed coach who's kind of cut their teeth on speed like I have, it's really more along the lines of we, we've got to look at this, this whole thing as a system. That said, there are some very good ways to strengthen very specific weaknesses that an individual might have. And so I think that's going to be great for uh, to be some great questions to ask her. So, by the way, I mean, if you're listening to this one and you have questions for uh, Dr. Jen, send them our way. Uh, we'll yeah. certainly ask them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, guys, those were uh, those were good questions. I appreciate you all sending those in. Um, yeah, I think it's going to wrap it up for us here. So, you know, guys, if you enjoyed the show, you got value on it. Please, uh, please share the show. You know, it's, uh, it's all we ask. So that's all we got for you today, guys. Appreciate y'all listening. Love you guys. We'll see y'all next time.